up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3 FN Podcast. Of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games this week. We are going to be celebrating the 35th anniversary of John Carpenter's They Live for the 3FN Movie Club Review. But before we can get there, I'm your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. First, he is the man that just after seeing They Live for the first time in a while, I gotta point out, he uh, went out and he tried to find the glasses from the movie, and I will tell you this. He is still searching every gas station he can find. However, the only thing he's accomplished is a headache for the cashiers as they have to pick up piles of sunglasses off of those displays. Ladies and gentlemen, I even though he has failed in his search, he is still looking. But I give to you, Ron. It's only because once you put them on and you really see what's going on, you want to guide your, guide your eyes out. Ah, there you go. And of course, the other nerd. He doesn't need an introduction. But he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he is the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He is the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. It's Diesel. Obey. Marry and reproduce. Consume. (laughs) Consume. Consume is my favorite. We'll talk about that later, though, when we jump in to the 3FN Movie Club review. But before we can dive into the show, Ron, how has been your week? Week's been all right. Can't complain too much. We're, you know, it's... Countdown number eight days left. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, you know, got to work overtime on Friday because Veterans Day holiday is Friday. Oh, and, boo fucking who. <laughs> got to work an extra day, then I have the rest of the year off. God damn it, Ronald. No, you know, yeah, after after that, I got three days after that. But that's the point. <laughs> I just got to make it there. Boy, <laughs> wow, dis- it's just disrespectful. And then just got to make it, if I make it through these next eight days without using a sick day by January 30, or December 31st, I'll have an extra sick day. Because <laughs> I'll go nine months without calling in sick. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> Bonus. Woo woo. That's about it. That's about it. All right, Diesel, how's been your week? It's been a pretty solid week. Worked uh, most of the week, double jobs, and then Saturday helped out here at the game store. Relatively smooth, and then Sunday just had family dinner over at my dad's house. It was a quiet weekend. No, I can hear you there. Um, you know, for the most part, quiet. Little, uh, little excitement in the in the early part of the week. We're coming to you a day later than normal on all accounts because I did take my uh, my kid to go see uh, WWE's Monday Night Raw in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour and twenty minutes from uh, where we live, and it was a good time. I had a lot of fun. Other than that, it's been a lot of resting. I was a little under the weather last week. Uh, nothing to be too concerned about for everybody at home, but still under the weather. So, you know, it's just one of those things. So I kind of kept it like a nice and easy and on the, the DL, if you will, but not the same way as uh, R. Kelly. 
We did go and check out BJ's though. Ah, that sounds <laughs> a little disur- the, you know disturbing. But if you guys know, that's a wholesale warehouse club. Uh, we've got one coming to our area. Me and my wife decided to sign up because it's right around the house from, corner from our house. But it doesn't open until like late January, or early February. So we went up to the Ithaca one. We did that this week. That's the only thing I did. And uh, I will say. Uh, I was impressed with their selection of like food products. Yes, because uh, unlike Sam's Club, they they have less toys and like clothes and and, and electronics, but they had way more food products. Nice, yeah. and that is what I enjoy. So <laughs> I, I think we made a good choice there. We'll find out. So with that, I hope everybody at home had a great week, and I hope you have a great upcoming week. But before we can kick off this show and get into full gear, we have to take care of some business. So that means some opening, shameless plugs. And of course, if you would like to find out anything about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. There you will find all of our social media links. You will find our T Public link. You will find the link to patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, all while helping the show. Also, while you're there, check out uh, friends of the show, like the ODPH podcast. Check out Ken MSF. And while you're at it, go visit nerdinitiative.com because uh, that gives you all your information about Nerd Initiative, including comic book reviews that Ken and his uh, other comic writers, because he's the editor-in-chief over there for the comic book stuff, right? Plus, on top of that, go to the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe, get that bell notification, and hit thumbs up on the videos because it all helps. And while you're there, check out... Uh, show that uh, I've now been doing some producing for, but it's a show that Ken M hosts. Turn a page where they break down comic book uh, every every episode. It's great. And then on top of that, every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, join myself and Ken M on the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel for Wrestling Night Live, talking all things pro wrestling. You're going to want to do that over there as well. Once again, nerdinitiative.com for all that information. Also, while you're there, check out our musical directory where the bands that allow us to use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs are. And we're going to give a big shout out to Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song you hear at the beginning of the 3FN podcast each and every week. Make sure you uh, support them and all the other great bands on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And last but not least, there is the sponsorship section. Uh, those are the people who give us stuff, so we don't have to put commercials in these shows, but we'll give a quick shout-out. Our local sponsors, Rex Rod's Auto Detailing, Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Visit SciFiHorrorFest.com. Our energy sponsor, Dubby Energy. Go to W.GG. Use the promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number 3FNPOD for 10% off of every order. And last but not least, our main sponsor, Dragon Master Games for all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. Getting all that information out there. Hopefully I didn't rush too much, but if I did... All that information is at 3fnpodcast.com. So that's uh, that's uh, pretty much the most important thing to remember. Now that we've gotten all the bills out of the way and talking all the, uh, you know, the, the, the nice, the pleasantries, if you will, it's time to dive into the fun stuff. It's time to dive into the show. So let's kick it off like we always do. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. Uh, coming in at the box office this week, kind of quiet week. Coming in at number five, Radical debuting with $2.7 million. That's totally radical. Mm-hmm. Dude. 
<laughs> Coming in at number four, Priscilla with $5.1 million. They had a very low release. Yeah. You know, it's another one of those Apple uh, Plus movies yeah. as well. So I'm assuming you can see that in Apple Plus. Uh, coming in at number three, Killers of the Flower Moon, pulling another $6.9 million. Who the fuck is still going to see that movie? I just want to point out, I saw an article, they are really pushing this movie as being successful because it broke $100 million worldwide, even though its budget was like twice that. Yeah, I was going to say it was over $200 million yeah, yeah. budget. But they are, they're, they're framing it as this is a success. Uh, yeah. Remember when, remember when Solo, the a Star Wars story, was considered a flop because they uh, made over what their budget was on opening weekend? Yeah. yeah. Coming in at number two, staying strong on this list, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour with $14 million. Ain't nobody fucking with them Swifties. It's so good. Then coming in at number one for its second week in a row, Five Nights at Freddy's with $19 million. $19 million? And I gotta be honest, once again, you know, go back to last week, see what we said about the movie. You know, I can say we'll give you the, the thumbs up there. But uh, I'll tell you what, $19 million when it's already on streaming... I'm just saying, it made $78 million domestically last week on its opening weekend with, with streaming already, because it went right to streaming, yep. and then also to another $19 million. It shows that there's interest in this franchise. Man, we're definitely getting sequels, because mm. they've made their money back uh, numerous times just domestically, not even counting internationally, which is probably close to the $200 million yeah. mark. All right, coming out this week on November 10th, we have a bunch of different movies coming out. Um, we have Villains Incorporated, It's a Wonderful Knife, The Holdovers, Manodrome, and the big one, The Marvels. Of course, The Marvels will be next week's 3FN Movie Club review, although I will say this, I might just give you a special bonus uh, review over there on Patreon, because I do want to see It's a Wonderful Knife. If, if not anything but the name alone. Yeah. Just throwing that one out there. Uh, what do we have the week after that, Diesel? Alright, coming out on November 17th, we have Next Goal Wins, Trolls Band Together, Thanksgiving, and the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Or... And we will only be doing the second scariest movie that week because that week we'll be doing Thanksgiving for the 3FN Movie Club review. I'll let you figure out which one was the scariest out of the remainder of them. All right, Diesel, now that we are done with the box office, now that we are done with both past and present, if you will, it is now time for the signature move. What is this week's top Three. All right. This week's top three is your favorite movie, Alien Races. All right. So at uh, number three, I got a tie. And, it, and I'm even though I'm not a Star Trek fan, I've always been a fan of the Klingons and also whatever the fuck the Quark was. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, uh, Ferengi. Yeah. Oh, thank you. See, you knew. Thankfully, I didn't. Uh, number two. And I, this, I was a huge fan of this as a kid. Elf. So oh, Milmackian, yeah. Milmackian, if yep. you will. Uh, remember, Elf stands for alien life form. But uh, yes, I, I always loved it. Jim Henson puppets. They always win me over. And last but certainly not least, speaking of Jim Henson puppets in the original version, that's and, and the race is what it is. It's Yoda. Because there is no, if as every Star Wars fan knows, there is no race for that. There's nope. actually only been three or four of them, depending upon what you consider canon. And we've never gone the the race because it's never allowed to be revealed. Even with this signing it over to Disney, George Lucas is like, you can't really fuck with Yoda. Yeah, that's that's the interesting. That's why everybody was so kind of whoa. They did Gragu, and that's weird because how did they find the loophole fucking yeah. there? Uh, Ron, what's your top three? Uh, going sticking with Star Wars uh, for number three, the Twi'leks. Good job. Uh, let's just be honest. We all know why. Uh, <laughs> number two, going with the Time Lords from Doctor Who. Let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah. And we then, also know why. Yeah. And uh, number one, Cybertronians. 
Yeah, I was gonna say for for, for a minute there, you scared us during the pre-show, and we we're like, yeah, you, we already know you're one number one. Yeah. Eh, maybe that's bullshit. <laughs> All right, Diesel, you're up. All right, coming in at number three, we're going with the unnamed alien species from the movie franchise Species. Ah, <laughs> and I know why you picked that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was Have you actually too. watched those movies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I, I I didn't no. know they'd freak you I've out. Only, I've only watched the first it, one. Or is it just worn out at certain spots? Oh, it was. Definitely uh, the VHS copy of Species had some wear and noticeable tear. wear and tear. All right, all right. <laughs> Continuing on. Uh, number two, we are uh, copying on one of Ron's. We are going to the planet Ryloth. We love me some Twi'leks <laughs> up in here. <laughs> For probably the same reason. <laughs> and last but certainly not least in your number one slot. Coming in at number one. I think they got the raw deal, and I would probably, if this was real life, would be advocating for them. The prawns from District Nine. I knew, I knew they were going to uh, You're a big fan of that. I love I, that. I movie. know. That's why I said it's I'm a good not movie. surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised that was your number one. Well, that was a good Diesel's movie triple stuff. That was a great top three. Of course, if you would like to hit us with your top threes or any other thoughts, go ahead and do that on the social medias. Find them at 3FNPodcast.com. And that's enough of shameless plugging because it is now time to enter. This week, we are celebrating the 35th anniversary of John Carpenter's They Live. And uh, as a reminder to anybody who may have forgotten, or if you're new to the show and this is your first episode, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, you enjoy some of our other reviews and some other episodes, and uh, hopefully, you stay along for the ride, because we like to have a lot of fun here. Uh, Let's give you a breakdown of how this is going to work, because it's a little different. We have two different styles with the new movies and the old movies, because the old movies, especially because it's... 35 years old. Uh, We don't break it into a spoiler-free and spoiler-full part. That doesn't mean we don't still have a spoiler-free and a spoiler-full section. And here's how I'll explain it. We're going to start off with a spoiler-free synopsis from Diesel, followed by the stats of the movie, which will also lead into who made the movie, who starred in the movie. And then, instead of going to a thumbs-up, thumbs-in-the-middle, or thumbs-down recommendation, we skip that part. We'll give you a little bit of a warning. Then we dive right into the review. Full-on spoiler review, followed with our likes and dislikes after that. Then we play the game where we give, where the two gentlemen will guess the scores from around the internet, so you can also get a vibe of what the internet thinks of They Live. And last but certainly not least, we give our scores for the movie. So that is how it breaks down when we do older films, and uh, I think 1988 equals older film. All right, with that being said, are you gentlemen ready to talk some They Live? Oh, yeah. Yep. So if you're ready, that means Diesel. Man, I got a story to tell. Rugged loner, Nada, dons a pair of sunglasses, which reveals to him the awful truth about our world. He joins a small group of militants to try to take down what he discovers. Very good. And of course, that's for this movie. This movie was released on November 4th of 1988 with a runtime of 94 minutes. The budget of this film was estimated at $4 million and it made $13 million domestically and worldwide. I don't know of how much of that was that, you know, back then they kind of didn't separate too much, but $13 million. So it was a success. It made three times this money yep. and it became a cult classic later on. So it's probably made even more money in the secondary market over 
the years. With that, now that we've found out uh, the stats, it is now time to find out who made this year. And of course, this movie was directed by the band whose name is actually in the beginning of the title because the full title of this movie is John Carpenter's They Live and the director of this film is none other than the legendary John Carpenter. John Carpenter's first directorial debut was Dark Star in 1974, but then he would go on to direct, and I'm not naming off all of his uh, movies because that would take us all night, but he went on to direct Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween 1978, the original if that will, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, Escape from L.A., Vampires, and Ghosts of Mars. Uh, the screenplay for this movie, first of all, big shout out. This is based on a short story written by Roy uh, Ray Nelson. Sorry, I said Roy, but Ray Nelson. Eight O'Clock in the Morning was the name of the short story. And then the only screenwriter on this movie was the one and only John Carpenter. John Carpenter did not write all of his movies. Only some. Uh, first movie he ever wrote, Dark Star in 1974. He wrote Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, Prince of Darkness, and Ghost of Mars, amongst other things that uh, I did not mention. Uh, next up, director of photography. That belongs to Gary B. Keeby. Uh, Gary, uh, his first movie, Prince of Darkness, 1987. So he, you're going to notice he worked with John Carpenter a lot. Uh, but he did RoboCop 3, then In the Mouth of Madness, Double Dragon. That's oh, right. Jesus. Which, by the way, next year, little hint... 3FN Movie Club review will be Double Dragon because it is coming into its uh, anniversary. Yeah, that's right, Ron. Get ready. Uh, Village of the Damned, Escape from L.A., Vampires, Ghost of Mars. The last uh, movie that he would uh, be the director of photography for is The Librarians in 20, or 2003. Sorry, uh, Unfortunately, we lost Gary on uh, March 9th of 2020 at the age of 79. Next up was the composers, and it's a team that we're used to. We've talked about them before. John Carpenter and Alan Howarth. Uh, John Carpenter, of course, he has uh, a composer credit on every movie he's ever directed. And also, Alan Horworth has done Escape from New York in 1981, was the first movie ever composed. Halloween 2, Christine, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, The Dentist, and Dante's Hotel, to name a few. Now that we found out who made this film, it is now time to find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? We are going to give the top three uh, stars of this movie, and then there's a couple uh, other mentions that we won't do as deep of a dive. Of course, you're a big star uh, playing the role of Nada. By the way, never referred to by a name in the movie. Uh, the only reason we know his name is Nada is because it's in the credits. Yes. And that would be the legendary Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Uh, first movie he ever did, by the way, 1988 was a big year because in 1980 he did Body Slam, Hell Comes to Frogtown, Buy, Buy and Sell. Those were all in 1988, and of course, also. They live. Uh, then later on, he would do, uh, there was a little break there going back to wrestling, and then back in action in 1994, and then later on, he would do Marked Man, uh, Clear Lake, The Takeaway, The Green Fairy, and 2016 was his last project that he was a part of, because unfortunately, he lost the legendary Roddy Piper on July 30th of 20, uh, 2015 at the age of 61, uh, but Roddy Piper was in a lot more than that, and of course, all of his wrestling credits was hard to get through on IMDb. Yeah. Next up is, uh, I, I'm going to call him Legendary. The legendary Keith David played the role of Frank. Uh, first movie for Keith David, Disco Godfather in 1979. Uh, but then he would be in The Thing, Platoon, Roadhouse, Men at Work, Mark for Death, Reality Bites, Clockers, Dead Presidents, Eye for an Eye, Volcano, Armageddon, There's Something About Mary, Pitch Black, Diesel's personal favorite, Requiem for a Dream, uh, The Replacements, The Chronicles of Riddick, ATL, Cloud Atlas, the Nice Guys, Night School, and there was a 200 more than that. Dude, he's in everything. He has been in everything, and I, that, that was me shortening it down, folks. Icon. 
Next up is Diesel's favorite person to ever be on a panel with, and that is Meg Foster playing Holly. Uh, of course, her first movie was Adam at 6 a.m. back in 1979, and then she was in The Osterman Weekend. Mon and of course, we all know her as Evil Lynn for Masters of the Universe. That was up next. Leviathan, The Lords of Salem, 31. The reason why we were on a panel with her, Jeepers Creepers 3, and Overlord, to name a few. Uh, some other time, we'll tell the Meg Foster story on uh, Patreon. But uh, yeah, Meg Foster. Uh, Diesel. Your thoughts on Meg Foster? She could get it back in '88. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially uh, even before that when she was Evil Lynn. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, George Buck Flower played Drifter, and uh, he was also, you remember him as the Red Bum from Back to the Future. He was also in Starman and The Fog. He actually did a lot of movies with John Carpenter. Unfortunately, we lost him on June 18th of 2004 at the age of 66. And the only other person we're really going to mention is Peter Jason, who plays Gilbert. Uh, who is one of the hackers. You would remember him from 48 Hours. Mortal Kombat, that's the first one, by the way. Uh, and then he was in Escape from L.A. as well as a bunch of other things. You'd notice him as a... Uh, he was definitely a character actor, and he was a character actor in most John Carpenter films. Yeah. He had, had a role in pretty much... I'm not going to say all of them, but pretty much all of them. Well, after, other than that, a lot of character actors in this movie, but nobody that really jumps out there. So now it is time for uh, us to give you a final warning. For those of you who don't want a movie spoiled from the year 1988, celebrating its 35th anniversary, this is where you stop and go watch They Live and then come back and listen. Because we are diving into the full spoiler review right now. And as you know, we don't do the whole movie. We just kind of go over bone structure of the movie, followed by our uh, our our... What do you throw? Our likes and dislikes. And we throw some of them in there as well as we go. So I want to point out, I do like the opening of this movie. Because I think it's interesting. It's something that John Carpenter is a master of. And it's as this movie opens, we see Nada coming to L.A. to look for job opportunities. Because in this world of the 80s, uh, this movie is very, very politically driven. And it doesn't hide it. And it doesn't in a good way. And a lot of these things are, we're going to as we talk about them, are still problems today. But as he comes in looking for a job, he comes out and there's a street preacher warning that they have recruited the rich and powerful to control humanity. And I always thought that that was really telling of the movie because basically they give you the overview of the movie yeah. from that cra the crazy preacher in the beginning. Yes. So he gets a job working on a construction uh, site and he gets to meet uh, Frank. So Frank knows that he's obviously down in his luck and stuff. So he takes him to a shanty town. And I, I understand homeless has been a problem for a long time in L.A. But man, does this kind of look like L.A. of today even? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Uh, in the shanty town, there's a soup kitchen and it's led by Gilbert, who we've talked about before. There's more than meets the eye with him. Haha. <laughs> Got the Transformer reference. Uh, that night, a hacker takes over television broadcast, claiming that scientists have discovered signals that are enslaving the population and keeping them in a dreamlike state, and that the only way to stop it is to shut off the signal at its source. And, those, and of course, everybody thinks it's crazy, except for the people who believe it, and uh, some of them complain of headaches. Nada secretly follows uh, Gilbert, who and the crazy preacher, into a nearby church. And when he goes in, he spies on him and finds out that the hacker that was there is also there. They, uh, the, the blind guy is the one that almost busts Nada. So he's not really a good snooper, is he? Yeah. <laughs> Which it was a really cool scene, too, because like, in the background, as the hacker is getting out into uh, airwaves, the crazy preacher is verbatim saying the exact same thing, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like they, they, they know what they're doing. 
the shanty town and the church get destroyed at this time the, the, the police come in and they bulldoze this oh shit. they come out with the killdozer dude they are they do not care who's in front of them it's indiscriminate they are taking shit out and uh as they're raiding it down the hacker and the preacher are beaten by the riot police and the following day nada retrieves a box that they saw them hide he never got to see what was in the box but he saw that it was hidden everything in the church has been ransacked except for this box because it was behind a wall the fake wall it was it was kind of obvious i just want to throw that out there i don't know how they didn't find this but what was inside the box ron was it that's sunglasses that's yeah, right yeah. there's sunglasses in it and uh so of course after he discovers that there's sunglasses in it, he stashes some in a garbage can and he puts a pair on and uh ron what does he see when he puts on the sunglasses he starts seeing all like the subliminal messages and i can't remember if you actually saw somebody first not well, yet messages yeah, first. Yeah, the yeah, messages, messages were first yeah i was just making it was all the subliminal messages behind every bill like billboard advertisements and he's like what and it's all gray yeah like, black like, and white black and, black and white and then he does end up the first person he sees is at a newsstand yep. he kind of like is like what the fuck and that person is kind of like oh my god i think somebody can see us and then he bumps in as as he goes into a store he bumps into an alien woman at a supermarket who talks down to him and he he basically makes a joke about how ugly she is and she then once again talks into her witch watch and like i've been somebody can see what i look like this is not good yeah, yeah. Uh, he leaves and he gets confronted by two alien police officers and he kills them. And then he steals their weapons, as one would do. Because yeah. if you're going to kill a cop, you're going to steal their weapons. Yeah. Right? You can die like we can. But then he enters a bank. And of course, when he enters this bank, he actually ends up killing several customers and employees. But this is, of course, the famous I've come here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And I'm all out of bubblegum. But my favorite part of this isn't even that. It's when the, the the one teller, the one alien teller behind the desk goes to report him to wherever. And he goes, ooh, mama don't like tattletales. And he shoots the guy. I lo I, I've always loved that line. Well, the, well, the guy disappears because he, he transports out. We find about that more later. But it is kind of funny. Oh, mama don't like tattletales. I, I, I've always just liked that line better. So uh, after he done, after he's done, he actually kidnaps uh, Cable 54's uh, employee Holly Thompson and holds her hostage at her own house. And Diesel, as he's trying to force her to wear the glasses, what happens? So they get distracted by the uh, sirens or the neighbor or something. And he's standing by the window, and she takes the wine bottle and clobbers him over the head. And he goes flying through the, the glass window, does a tumble down probably like a mile worth of LA canyons and yet somehow survives. Not only that, pretty much unscathed. Yes. A little dirty. He, uh, he was limping a little after that. Right, but it wasn't that bad. Like, uh, if you would have fell down that hill, you'd probably been dead. So the next day he goes and he loses the glasses in the press. So he goes back to retrieve another pair of glasses. And as he does, Frank actually meets him in the alleyway to give him his paycheck. But he wants nothing to do with uh, Nana because he's a murderer and he's on the run as a fugitive. Yes. And this is leads to one of the greatest cinematic fights of all time. Yes. Am I wrong? Yeah, no. it, it's such a good fight. It, it still holds up 35 years later as a great action scene in a movie. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you what, it has the most logic behind it. Because the whole fight is over the fact that not as like, you don't have to like me, but try these glasses on so you can see what I'm seeing. He's like, you're just crazy and you're a killer. I don't want to be anything to do with you. I'm sorry that I ever met you. And so they get into this fight. And basically the reason why the fight is so long and drug out is because finally Frank is so tired of fighting Nada that he just lets him put the glasses on. And then he sees a spaceship and the aliens in the messaging and is like, what the fuck? Yes. <laughs> so this whole time he didn't have to fight him. He, he should have not fought him. But there we are. We're fighting craziness oh yeah it's crazy crazy diesel crazy but like a five minute fight scene full of suplexes and 
all sorts Rose of like, great, yeah, yeah. great wrestling moves. And every time he thinks the fight's done, it just picks back up, and it is great. <laughs> Absolutely. So next up, uh, uh, we end up with Frank and Nada run into Gilbert, and they find out that he's the one that leads the anti-alien movement. And uh, they go meeting, and they get contact glasses. So they have contact fucking lenses. So this yep. whole time they're hiding these gla- sunglasses when they have contacts. Well, the uh, shipment just came in that day. True, but other people already <laughs> had them because now we find out the reason some of the people watching the video had headaches is because the contact glasses give you headaches yeah. when uh, exposed to certain frequencies. So now uh, they're learning about the aliens using global warming to make Earth more like their own planet and are depleting the Earth's resources for their own gain. Uh, they also learned that the aliens have been bribing humans to become collaborators, promoting them to positions of power. Uh, Holly arrives at the meeting apologizing to Nada because now she believes him. But as that happens, the meeting is raided by the police, and the vast majority of the present are killed, with the survivors, including Frank, Nada, and Holly, scattering. Nada and Frank are cornered in an alley, but they accidentally activate an alien wristwatch, opening a portal through which they escape. And it is now time to explain that the Drifter is a, a collaborator. We find this out because he's the one that snitched them out at that point. But we get a better monologue from him in a minute because the portal takes them to the alien spaceport where they discover a meeting of aliens and human collaborators celebrating the elimination of the terrorists. They are approached by the Drifter. And this is one of the best things because I got to ask you, this is going to be honest here. The Drifter makes some good points. He says, yeah. you know, I could be enslaved or I could uh, just side with the guy's side that's going to win. Yeah, they're, they're already winning, so might as well make the best out of it. And it's funny because when he sees them, he's like, oh, you guys joined up too? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he gives them a tour of the facility. Uh, of course, he meets his untimely demise as well. Yeah. Uh, he leads them to the basement of Cable 54, where the source of the signal, which is protected by armed guards. Because remember, they have to destroy the signal. So now and Frank find Holly, which she happens to be there, and fight their way to the transmitter on the top of the roof. But just as Frank is going to kill the transmitter. Holly does what, Ron? Shoots him. Yeah, she killed that motherfucker. Yep. We, we know that she's not one of the aliens, but we now get the realization that she's one of the collaborators. She's probably the one that dropped the dime on the organization meeting up, and she just comes up right behind him and fucking shoots him right behind him. Execution the style, yep. baby. Execution style. But, but she ain't going to get Nada. Nada kill that bitch. Mm. Even though Nada wanted to get in them pants. <laughs> he put that aside. He he picked. He chose. He chose. He chose killing that bitch over over pussy. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. There's no other, there's no better way. It was '88. You guys can't get mad at me for using crude language. Because think about it. He wanted to tap that, but he said, "Man, as much as I want to tap that, you killed my boy." As much as he wanted to tap that, she wanted him to tap that when he was kidnapping her. That is that, true. That was one of the strangest kidnap scenes when they were in the. Oh place no! Of- don't. Don't. You're in control here. Ooh. The funny part is he wears a wedding ring through the whole movie, too. Yeah, but he, he, we don't find out too much about his back. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the weird... We'll get to that in, in Dead yeah. Dislikes. You just got to kind of follow the same logic as Frank. Frank says that he's got a family in Detroit, and he's just trying to make money. And the steel mills have closed, so yeah. he had to go elsewhere to find work. He hasn't seen his family for months. So I'm assuming the same thing with Yanni. Yeah. He's got a family somewhere, and he's just looking for work. And we get the realization, too, that... All these like steel mills closing. That's probably the work of these aliens, you know, taking over and just they want the poor to be even more poor, and they want to take all the wealth that they have and go to the collaborators and themselves. True. Very good. Very true. So of course, then we just get the happy ending. It's after he kills Holly, he destroys the transmitter, and then of course humanity is saved, <laughs> or we're well, not to believe. Happy for humans. Uh, not so happy for Nada. No, no, no. <laughs> not no. Nada. Nada gets blown away, but he does get to see the the transmitter blow up as he's you know 
getting riddled with bullets. <laughs> and of course, uh, there is, uh, you know, now the aliens can't hide anymore, so everybody gets to see their ugly asses. Yeah. Yeah, so they are now exposed, which I do love how this movie ends with just the topless chick riding one of the aliens. Uh, what's and, wrong, baby? And because <laughs> it shows you a bunch of different ones getting noticed, like the TV announcers and all that, the guy in the bar. But this one chick, it just movie ends with her riding this dude and she looks down and screams and what's wrong, baby? And it was just like, that was a little gratuitous. That was pure 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John Carpenter. So yeah. I'm going to say. Well, with that, that, is, that brings us to the end of the movie. So let's jump into likes and dislikes. I'm going to start off. It, you know what? Like any John Carpenter film, I dig the cinematography. I, you know, especially if they're low budget. You got to remember, Big big Trouble in Little China bombed originally. It has become kind of a cult classic, but it bombed originally. So after that movie, he had to go back to the basics. And before that, John Carpenter was known for working on shoestring budgets. Hence, Halloween wasn't a big budget and neither was The Fog. So he, he did that first with Prince of Darkness, which if you haven't seen, we haven't reviewed it yet, but if you haven't seen it, very good movie. They cut the budget back way back on this. And of course, this only has a $4 million budget. Yeah. So there was a lot of savings, but I think that they really actually, even now in 2023, some things look dated, obviously, because it's from 1988. However, how they hit some of it is a lot of the scenes are painted. They're actually just painted backdrops. Yeah. And a lot of them look better than some of the scenes that we've seen CG'd nowadays. So I, I thought that that was actually kind of cool. So with losing some budget, I think that they actually gained some things yeah. as well. Going in black and white for the realization of like all the subliminal messages I thought was really well done and was done the cheaper way, which was smart. It was yeah. really well done. Also, the score to this is great because, let's be honest, it's John Carpenter yeah. and Alan Holworth who worked together. This, by the way, was the last movie that they did together. After that, they went their separate yeah. ways. But it was still good. I love that it's kind of like a techno blues kind of music. It's, 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 it's a little different for the soundtrack, but it's really good and it works in this soundtrack. Uh, I do like the story. I think this is an interesting story because, yes, everything is up front. We know that this is all an allegory for what's going on in Reaganomics. Yeah. Uh, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. But, you know, we're going to tell you that it's trickle-down economics and that we're going to give the rich all this tax break and stuff, and then that's going to benefit you down the bottom. And you're seeing what's happening because that's what the aliens are doing. The aliens are literally taking all the wealth, all the property, all the, the resources to, to destroy the planet, to make it their way. And in the meantime, the poor just keep getting poor. As you pointed out, everybody has to move to these places to try to get these jobs because there's no jobs back where they're from. And so it, it makes this dystopian. It's right in your face. But at the same time, I like the fact that they hide the fact that you don't know much about the lead character. Like I said, we only know that his name is Nada, A, because the, the funny part is the, the when somebody else adapted the story into my, almost like a graphic novel form, and it was just called Nada. So that's where he took the name yeah. from. And the original movie, there was a couple times where before they cut, them, cut it out, there was a couple times where they mentioned the character's name is John. So now people have put it together as John Nada. But... You never hear that in the movie now because they cut it out. And the funny part about it is, is that's why it's like he's not known. But it doesn't. And it, it also fits the scheme, though. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You're just another person. Yep. And so I, I kind of dig like the messaging of the movie because it, it it tells a real fun story of like while well, saying fuck this and fuck society as it is now. Yeah. So I dig that. And also like the alien design is based upon that as well because the alien design they look like kind of almost like zombie skeleton kind of things, and it's a way to saying that these people are ugly on the inside yeah. so they wanted them to look like humans because we're the rotting corpses that are being greedy so yeah. i thought that that was a really good messaging and once again didn't feel didactic even though you know that's the messaging i felt like it, it, it gets it across 
Uh, of course, one of the greatest fight scenes of all time. I think we're all going to agree on that. It's beautiful. Beautiful, man. And you get a lot of... You know, this movie kind of reminds me a lot of like uh, his older movies like I saw in Precinct 13. A lot of the shootouts and stuff yeah. are, are kind of crisp. It looks it looks good. Like It even aged well in those aspects. Uh, we'll go to you next, Diesel. Any, any more likes of the movie or anything uh, you want to add? Uh, for the majority of the people in this movie, the acting was surprisingly good. Roddy Piper, like... Was a great actor, and obviously Keith David is amazing. Yeah. So the acting that they had on this really small budget movie was great. With, you know, people knew who Roddy Piper was, but he was an, not a big movie star at the time. And then uh, Keith David was, you know, an up and comer at the time. Yeah. But yeah. I, they pulled some great performances out of the majority of people. Yeah, you only know it's Keith David because of the voice. <laughs> well, the best part about it is Keith David, the reason he got the role is because he worked with Carpenter on The Thing. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, he's he's Childs on The Thing. So, like, he, he impressed John enough that he was like, oh, shit, I got this other movie. And he wrote the character for Keith David. That's a true story. Piper, though, real fun fact, John Carpenter's huge pro wrestling fan. Yeah. Like myself. He met Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 3. John Carpenter was there in person, met Roddy Piper, and he was like, hey, there's this short story that I've always wanted to adapt into a script, and you would be the perfect star for the movie. That's how it really came about, because he thought Roddy Piper, he's like, even though he looks, he's in great shape, he's you know, a good-looking guy, he just looks like a rugged, everyday man, yeah. though. And that's what I want. He, he didn't want somebody that was flashy and over the top. He wanted that everyday man that could play this role of, of Nada. And I think that, uh, to your point, I think Piper was the right guy. Yeah, obviously, like in '88, like your probably go-to for this for this role would be Mel Gibson. True, but this is a more relatable to the common people. Mel Gibson. It's the same say, role, but it's just more relatable being Roddy Piper. I would say Mel Gibson, or you know, if you were going over the top, this is a Sly Stallone. Maybe this is the because Sly Stallone was already doing the action films. Maybe this was the start of Schwarzenegger. See, I think I think you'd have to go with the Gibson just because of the lack of accent. You need the every man that everyone can relate to. Nobody's relating to Arnold. So you're, not, you're saying Jean-Claude Van Damme is out. Oh, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren out. <laughs> O-U-T, out. Uh, is that person out as well? They were too young at that point. Oh, I wish he was in this movie just getting uh, uh, bulldozed in the shanty town. <laughs> but uh, uh, any more likes to the movie Diesel? And it was, it was a cool moral um Moral to the story too is you know, like you know the the, the shanty town was actually like a really nice community. Everyone took care of each other. Everyone pitched yeah. in where they could, and then to see like yes, yeah, so there's an alien race at play here, but the main evil was the humans that sold people out for money. Yes, yeah, which was, yeah, which was really cool. Ron, any more likes you would like to add? It's typical '80s movie where it's in and out in an hour and a half. It's good stuff. It's, it's like, it, like it wasn't a lot to digest. It gives you all the information you really need to need to know, and you, like you, we don't need to really know Nada's backstory, and so it doesn't really matter. Like it's just funny that you do, you don't know. You just know he has a writing wing. You know he's traveling for work, so you know wherever he came from, he, times are tough, and he just needs money. <laughs> And like Diesel said, you could just draw the conclusion that maybe he's there for the same reason everybody else is. Yeah. Uh, Diesel, we'll start with you. Dislikes for this movie. All right. I know this might be sacrilege. The dialogue in this movie is ass. <laughs> well, half the half the dialogue, honestly, was brought up the fact that Piper, when he met John Carpenter, gave him a notebook that had a bunch of one-liners that Piper was using for wrestling. He used to write yeah. one-liners down. So there's a lot of them in the, in the movie. But, but you know what, though? I enjoy that cringiness. I'm not going to say it's sacrilegious, but I just enjoy the cringiness of it. Because like, I'm a huge wrestling fan, so I can I, I can relate to Piper saying the lines. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
in the world of wrestling, it makes sense. And I know it's iconic, but in the frame of the movie, I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm all out of bubblegums. Makes no sense for the part of the movie that we're in. Yeah, exactly. He's he's trying to show he's a badass. It just didn't make any sense to me. That's fine. And then on the flip side, the majority of the acting was great. Meg Foster was horrible in this. Oh, of course. (laughs) Absolutely horrible. Like, she took me completely out of the movie. Yeah, she was not a good... Because she... she, There was something about the character that you knew that, that she was a bad person. Like, there was something about the character that you never felt like... That character, until the reveal, should have been heavily like, oh, man, I feel bad for her when she gets kidnapped. Yeah. I feel, you know, I, I feel bad for her when, you know, she comes to the realization that the aliens are real. I feel, you know, I yeah. feel like, oh, shit, they're trying to save her. Like, you should, damsel in distress, so I feel for... Like, you should have feelings, and you don't. Yeah. So when the turn happens, you're just like, well, I saw that shit coming. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. It's really bad. Those are my two big takeaways negative. Ron, you want to add anything to the dislike pile? Let's just face it. The shootout scenes are re- atrocious in this whole movie. Dude, it's the A-Team. <laughs> I know. It down. It's, it's not even it's the A-Team. Stormtroopers, the A-Team. It's, it's everybody freaking, missing. It, it's missing. It's him hitting freaking sniper shots with a shotgun with buckshot because you see it explode. Like, there was no rhyme or reason for some of this stuff. And their defense, they had a $4 million budget. They really couldn't afford squibs. I, I get it. I understand. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, when you really look at it all. I also like how we're bringing logic to a movie that has aliens. Because <laughs> tell us if the aliens walked around. I'm just joking. But, yeah. no, I get you. It, but that was the time. It was no, the 1980s. I, it, it, was, it was. It was. It was. the 80s, for some reason, nobody could shoot for shit. Nobody could shoot for shit. And shotguns did ma- magical things. One of the things that, one of the ways that they film some of the shootouts too with the a frame or two of just the barrel of a gun, yeah, that was a little much. It was like, oh. I get what they were doing, saving money. I get it. You yeah, took I the trauma away. I one hundred percent get it. But it was like the third time you see just a barrel firing, and you know it's the same shot you've seen three or four times already. You're just like, oh, they're going to that well again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Son of a bitch. We're just trying to extend the movie by a second. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Ron? Yeah, you know that's pretty much. You guys hit it all. I was gonna say, I, I, I'm, I, my dislikes are the same for you guys. Yeah. I, I do let some of the past. I like some of the the cheesiness. There's something about '80s cheesy flicks like Maximum Overdrive. This kind of has like the, the the negative. Like this is a way better movie overall than Maximum Overdrive. Like on every critic scale, it's way better than Maximum Overdrive. But even like the downturns for this movie for some reason, they have that cheesy cuteness, if you will, like of a Maximum Overdrive. Like a like there's a really weird cringy '80s feel to some of the shit, and it's just like. All right, I, I'm here for that vibe, but yeah, I agree with you about the the Meg Foster stuff. That was she she does. It, it's a rough, it's a rough thing, and even like the drifter for or whatever, because you saw that one coming too a little bit. Yeah, like 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 because he doesn't really fit. Like he, it's kind of like he's a red herring without being a red herring because there's no reason to have a red herring when it is. Yeah, and that's what gives it away that he's he's not with you. And, if you and, think about it, and he was such a throwaway earlier in the movie when he comes back. I'm like. Shit, he was in their movie earlier, but who the fuck was he? They they don't do a good enough job of like setting him up right. as that. They should have had more scenes with him to yeah. throw you off a little more. But I will also say he does have a great monologue yeah. when he kind of basically lays out like, "Hey, like I can be their lap dog or I could be like you and enslaved." I'm going with lap dog, yeah. and I'm like, he's got he's got fucking points. Yeah, yeah you're, you're like <laughs> he's uh, got fucking points. Once you agree, all of a sudden your bank account gets full of money. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, <laughs> and they're celebrating the profits going up thirty nine percent over the last year. Yeah, 
It's crazy. It should have been a lot higher than that, by the way. Uh, I don't know what they're spending their money on. Obviously, the big boob chicks at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, with that, we are now through likes and dislikes. And now that we have gone through the likes and the dislikes, we got to find out what the internet thought of this movie. And the way we're going to find out those scores is simple, because it's time. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> Last week, Ron stole one. Can he continue to be champion, or will Diesel run it back? We've been playing Hot Potato recently, so there's a good possibility. It's time to play the game, and the game is simple. These two gentlemen are going to guess the scores from around the internet. Closest to the number without going over gets the point, or as it's better known as prices, right? Rules in honor of the late great. Bob Barker. And of course, uh, first of three points wins. However, the final question is not closest to, to the number without going over. It is just closest to the number because we don't do ties. And if it has to be worth two points, so be it to make it entertaining. Because listen, it is our game and I'm the host. So I make the fucking rules around here. <laughs> do what we want. That's right. Damn it. Don't ever question. That's what we do. That's what we do. All right. So gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Let's go. All right, Diesel, you are the challenger. You go first. IMDb out of 10 using points. What did they give? They live. 6.2. 6.2, Ron. Ooh, I like 6.2. Uh, 6.5. Give me a little wiggle. 6.5, 6.2, and Ron gets the point. 7.2 out of 10. 7.2 out of 10. I think 10. that's after everybody saw it 100 times. All right. <laughs> Ron, you go first here. This is Metacritic. Remember, these critics only. Out of 100%, what did they give? They live. 54. 54. Diesel. For some reason, I think critics don't want to like this, but we're going to go with 55. I think it's just going to edge that over. Oh, Jesus. 54, 55, and... Diesel, you got it right on the money. 55%. Oh, Jesus, oh. I was off. You were off by one. You were off by just enough for him to win. So we are tied one See, to one. I tried to give him lead room, but he won't do it for me. <laughs> Good thing he did it. He <laughs> wouldn't have gotten the point. So now we're tied one to one. Diesel, you go first. It is Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Remember, this is the critics of Rotten Tomatoes. Out of 100%, what did they give? They live. 52. 52, Ron. I'm going to gamble. One. Okay. 52 and one, and... Diesel gets the point, 86%. Whoa. What the 86%. Fuck? I didn't think it was that. So Diesel is now leading two to one. Next question, Diesel could win. This is what happens when I gamble. I just straight up lose. Ron, you can get the block here. Ron Tomatoes fan score out of 100%. What did they give? They live. See, this I would say 82. Fuck it. I'll stick with 82. Fuck it. 82. Diesel, what are you getting? This might be the rare exception where the critics are higher on Rotten Tomatoes. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> so 82 and one. And did it pay off for Diesel or are we still continuing the game? It paid off for Diesel. Your new champion, Diesel. 80%. Oh, oh you're shit. So once again, Ron, both of them you missed. You were so <laughs> close to one, one point off, one, two points off. <laughs> so for funsies, let's do the uh, Google users diesel. You would have gone first for this. What is uh, did Google users give it out of 100%? Uh, 87. Ron. 88. 
Ron would have been closer, 93%. Yeah. 93%. Okay. So it was the highest. <laughs> By the way, yeah, it was one of those weird times where the critic score is actually 6% yeah. higher. Uh, so now that we've gone around the internet and found out the scores from the internet, and Diesel is now your new champion, it is finally time for us to give our scores for They Live. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. And of course, we are going to first give the nerd score, followed by my critic score and of course the nerd score is a recommendation score so we take our critic score and we take how entertained we were by it and we put it together to give you a nerd score that's based off of the nerd scale and of course that means that uh, a movie could be critically bad but if it's entertaining enough it could raise the score and actually vice versa we've had critically good movies that were not entertaining at all so it lost at points and of course the nerd scale has five sections on it and five sections alone and uh here are the five sections on one is no that is this movie is terrible and it should never be watched a two is you've been warned that means it's not quite terrible but it ain't good so you've been warned not to see it a three is ah it's good these are average to good movies uh you don't need to go out and see them in the theater you don't have to add them to your collection it, basically the way it goes is if you end up seeing it on somewhere you're not going to regret seeing it but at the same point in juncture you're probably never going to watch it again and if you do it'll be years down the road but you're not going to pay for it and next up is a four just take my money these are the very good to great films these are films that are you know you're going to you're going to go to the theater to see you might even add them to your collection you might even add to your rotation you're definitely going to watch it more than once in your life and last but certainly not least is the rarefied air in the five slot known as certified nerd and of course these are the legendary films. These are the creme de la creme. These are the, the best of the best. These are movies like Jaws and Jurassic Park, where it's usually across the board that people think that they're amazing movies, and you're going to uh, go see them in the theater when they come out. You're going to go see them in the theater when they're re-released. You're probably going to add it to your collection. You might even add multiple copies to your collection. Damn. And you're definitely going to add it to your rotation because they are the best around. So with that being said, we are now going to give our nerd scores for They Live. John Carpenter's They Live. So, Ron, we're going to start with you. For They Live, what is your nerd score and why? My nerd score is three. You're giving it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm not upset that I watched it. I'm also glad that I saved the dollar and didn't pay the $4.99 charge to keep the movie. Because <laughs> I probably will never watch this again. I, I, it's one of those movies, to me, it's enjoyable. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's an hour and a half. You're in and out. Everything you need to know is in the movie. It's fine. It's a, it's a hell of a story to tell too. Like you know, the aliens taking over or the government taking over. Blah blah blah. That's a whole other topic for a different podcast. Talk about that later. Um, it, do I really want to watch it once a year? Nah, I don't. I mean, I understand where people will, and I get it. It's one of those cult classics. I understand why it's a cult classic. Just for me, it's just like yeah, I'm, I saw it. I'm glad. I'm glad I saw it from beginning to end. I'll probably never watch it again. All right, Diesel, your nerd score and why for they live. We are also at a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. I do appreciate the cult classicness of it all, but this one's not one of my cult classics. Um, I do think that if you're really interested in film, going back and studying the way this movie was shot and the uh, action choreography of this movie is very well done. Um, and I think if you're doing like a highlight reel for uh, Keith David, this is a movie that you want to focus on scenes from. The story was good, but it's really dated, and there are just some things where I just can't give it the bump to the four. Like the dialogue was a was a killer for me, and even though that's the most iconic part of this movie, in the movie itself, it just does not work for me. 
All right. Well, guess what? I'm the high one. It's certified nerd. Audience, say with me. <laughs> Legendary. You know why? Because for all the reasons you don't like it is why it's amazing. <laughs> the, 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 the fact of the matter is it does still apply now. Everything that's in that movie is happening in the world right now. Like it's it's almost like, and I understand it was happening in the '80s too, so it's not like quite telling the future. But like you think about it, greed is controlling the world. People are fucking homeless. There's shanty towns everywhere. There are invisible puppeteers, and this isn't conspiracy theory. Like I'm putting a foil cap on, but let's be honest, we know there's invisible puppeteers running shit behind the scenes. Hence the global elite. So uh, I'm just saying, like this. So this movie still stands the test of time. So it's not like it's an old, outdated reference. Now, does it look older? Yeah, but I kind of like old movies. So that's that's where it comes in. I think this is shot very well. I do agree with you there that like if you're into making film, this is a movie you should definitely look at yeah. because this is how you take a, a budget and you make a film that can still, you know, yes, it's dated, but you can still look at it now and go, man, this is better than other films of the era that you can just tell are just old. You know what I mean? At least you're like, oh, man, this black and white, you know, stuff when they're in the other realm is, is still cool. The fact that the alien faces still stand the test of time because in black and white, they look a lot better, although in color, they're not bad yeah. either with the blue and red scheme. But, you know, it, I, I just think that, you know, you have that. Yeah, I actually agree with you. This movie is known for dialogue, and I'm with you. I don't like the dialogue as much. As a matter of fact, my favorite, as I point out, my favorite line isn't even the bubblegum line. My favorite line is, Mama don't like tattletales. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, so I like that one a lot better. But, like, the fight choreography is good. Once again, it's an 80s movie, so I give it a pass on the you know shooting and missing because it's the a team and i have a soft space in my heart for the a team miami vice star wars missing shots and yes they don't understand how guns work but that was a thing in the 80s all over the place like remember we're talking about miami vice where they're using like handgun nine millimeters and they're treating them like automatics and it's like that, that, that doesn't work that <laughs> way they don't go blah, 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 blah. They, they don't do that it just doesn't happen i mean i get if you have a, an uzi or something but they weren't they had a fucking nine millimeter doing it so i get it i get you know but i get why you just gentlemen put it at a three and I get why other people would too so it's not like I'm shitting on everybody's thing it's just no, personally I, me I look at this and like as a piece of art this is not John Carpenter's best piece of work because he has better pieces of work i.e. I mean we've we've never we've we've scored Halloween and once again I, I put Halloween on a, on a high pedestal Halloween 78 uh, but also on top of that the thing and I know we haven't scored it yet so I'm not going to give it a score but let's be honest that's that's pretty high up on the pedestal you know the fog very high up on the pedestal and over on the 3fn horror show which is on for patrons it's patreon exclusive we are going to pick a month in this upcoming year where every month we because we only do one horror show one one horror movie a month that month is going to be john carpenter month because i want to get through some john carpenter films because he's made some amazing ones including in the mouth of madness and village of the damned and and of course prince of darkness which some of them are very underrated so there's a lot of great that Carpenter's done. Yeah. Christine is also on that list. You know, I, I think, and the, and by the way, I have no problem telling you before my, my, my critic score, all those movies actually score higher on critic scale than this. And they're all, I would assume, well, we won't talk about that because you got to tune in to find out what I actually give them, but you guys can figure it out. Uh, I give this an 8 out of 10. This movie does what it's supposed to do. It tells a story. It's a very coherent story. It doesn't really dip off of the story which is nice. It keeps its fucking points in. As Ron said, sometimes simple is better. Yeah. I like the fact that they're just like, here it is. All that you need to know is right here. You don't have to go outside of this. You don't have to go search it up. You don't have to go, well, what do you think John Carpenter met him when he did this scene? You fucking know. It's not like it's hidden at yeah. all. But at the same time, it didn't feel didactic. Yes, we all understand the messaging, but you didn't go, oh, I get it. That alien's Ronald Reagan. Yeah. You never really, you know, you understand that that's what they're meaning. And you understand that they're talking about, you know, what was going on during Reaganomics and the Reagan era. 
However, you also go, oh, you never really. It's not like you went, oh yeah, you know they're beating it in. It's still entertaining, and like I said, yeah. to, the, to this day, I think that those messages still apply because greed still runs the world. That's the the one thing that uh, the gecko was right on oh, from yeah. Wall Street is that uh, <laughs> greed, greed, greed is everything. So yeah, I I, I I love this movie. I give it a certified nerd eight out of ten. I do respect these two gentlemen because I think this is one of those movies where I don't think I I mean I'd be surprised. I'm sure somebody could give it a bad grade. I don't think anybody would give it below a three, but I think this is a movie you either give it a three or you give it a five. Yeah, true. I don't know if this is there's I don't know if there's a middle ground. So I think I, we I, even cap- encompass that because everybody I've ever talked to is either this movie is amazing or they go eh it was good I'm not I don't regret seeing it but it wasn't great. So I think that that's really where this movie lies. And I think it just depends on your style of movie. Yeah. I'm a little more politically active in my movie. So I'm, a, I'm you know, I'm not into activism, but I, as long as they're not didactive, because then that's what pissed me off about the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> the Joaquin Phoenix one, I should say. Yeah. So with that, that is going to take us away from the 3FN Movie Club review this week. That is what we thought of They Live for its 35th anniversary. If you would like to give us your thoughts and opinions on John Carpenter's They Live, go ahead and hit us up on the social medias or uh, emails or whatever you want to do. You can find all that information at 3FNPodcast.com. Ron, I believe before we go, you have some business to attend to. Uh, Two out of ten stars. Painful shock. With the exception of a few impressive visual scenes, this film is unbearable. I generally like kids, but this film had me rooting for the bathroom ogre and the three-headed monster dog to eat all the children in sight, especially the three principal actors. They're awful, mostly due to painful overacting for which we can blame poor direction. If Hermione doesn't get on her on your last nerve, nothing will. Yeah, so this film was some heartwarming positive messages, but the characters are so non-endearing and the storyline is so mundane that in the end, you just don't care. Two out of ten stars. Harry Potter just sucks people. How the fuck is a movie about wizards mundane? It's the epitome of not being mundane. <laughs> mundane are the muggles. <laughs> These are fucking wizards. You cannot say this movie was mundane. It has fucking witchcraft. I think, I think Diesel's doing some, like, diving into some lore just so he can have some comments here. Uh, honestly, I think Diesel has become a Harry Potter fan <laughs> over the past few months. I don't know. And just just for caveat notes, uh, the individual last week who, you know, hated this movie and said Lord of the Rings is amazing did not do a review for fucking Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Maybe he should have done that review. Yeah, I would have liked to see that review. Uh, but uh, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of the 3FM podcast this week. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a good time. We'll be back next week when we give you the 3FN Movie Club review of the brand new MCU movie, The Marvels. It's either going to be great or it's going to be terrible. We're going to figure we're going to find it all out uh, this upcoming week. But until then, for myself and the guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds. Later. Time to consume. Harry Potter just sucks people. (laughs) 